Keeneland continues. What fun it was being down there this past weekend. Can't tell you how much I love that all-turf pick three. That is a bet that's going to get my attention just about every racing day. Low takeout, terrific quality, and a lot of fun. Lots of great stuff coming up at Keeneland. Pay attention Wednesday through Sunday. But in particular, do not miss out on that all-turf pick three. For much more information, go to Keeneland.com. Naira. And our partnership with them is something else that I'm very pumped about. We continue to cover Naira every Saturday. We've got written analysis for free over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can find our stuff on their website, too, through their Picks, Plays, and Promotions tab. They've got lots more contest action coming up. Check Naira.com for that schedule. And if you want to know where you can find them on TV, we've got you covered. Go to our pretty link, InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, October 17th, a special buy, sell, and hold of the Breeders' Cup Favorites Edition. We have inspected the prices internationally on all the Breeders' Cup races, and we will be discussing them, some very briefly, because it's really too early to have the conversations, but others, I think we can get into some fairly substantial uh, debate slash uh, ideas for how we're going to be approaching this year's Breeders' Cup, because I don't know about uh, today's guests, but when I look at, there's really two things I look at first when I'm looking at a, at a horse race. One, you know, trying to get a good sense of the pace straight away. A little too early to do that with the Breeders' Cup. But the other is really get a sense of the favorite and the strength of that favorite as a way to start planning multi-race bets, contest strategy, etc. And to do that with me for these 14 Breeders' Cup races, first we bring in a man coming to us from Saratoga Springs, New York, wearing the spiffy new JK Collection Breeders' Cup shirt. He is Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? Uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fun shirt. It's got a lot of little cool little patches. My favorite one is obviously uh, from – two. Th- well, there's a couple of favorites, but I like the 2004 uh, patch from uh, old Lone Star Park. I know my man Nikki the Boss likes that one as well. And the, the, that's the man we're bringing in next, another Planet Texas person. I'm, I, I'm sure your first Breeders' Cup, JK, was that 2004. For Nick, I wonder what his first one was. Answer that question for us, Nick Tamaro, your first Breeders' Cup in person. That one also, yeah. I was an employee. In fact, a mutual clerk working on the uh, first turn at Lone Star. So that was my first. And then I've been to, I think, 13 since. Pretty good. Pretty solid. Did you happen to see a young JK staggering around that day, having no idea what he was doing? I don't know what size his hair would have been back then. So that would have been the calling card. If it was big, maybe I'd remember. But no, I remember working at a $100 window. And I'm pretty sure by the end of the day, I outpaced the number of tickets I sold everybody else due to one. I Well, I had I had in 2004, I had dreadlocks. And I was on, I was like at the half mile pole in some chalet. I didn't hit one wager and I was not at the the hundred dollar betting window at that point in my life yet. So we probably didn't run into each other. (laughs) Let's look at these favorites boys. And we're going to start off with a race that I don't think we're going to have much to talk about uh, the juvenile turf sprint. And the reason we're not going to have much to talk about is we don't know who's going to be here really yet. Uh, Big Evs listed internationally. As a, as a solid favorite, actually. I was surprised to see 5-1. to one. 
which would make technically Big Evs a soft sell for me, just because, you know, I know there's a bunch of other horses, many of whom are trained by George Weaver. I'm going to be interested in this spot. I'm just not sure I'm going to want to take a Euro as the favorite going this sharp, flat five, given uh, the trouble they often have adapting to those conditions. I'm not saying they can't win, but I'm pretty much saying I don't want to take one as the favorite. Anything to add, Nick Tamaro? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you completely. The Euros finally struck for the first time in this particular race last year. And I think going five and a half at Keeneland, probably a little bit more forgiving trip for a horse with European style. Big Evs has looked very good in uh, in his last couple of starts. Obviously, you don't want to hold losing in the Nunthorpe against him. That came against older horses uh, that included Living the Dream, who'll be one of the favorites in the uh, regular turf sprint. So uh, I would imagine he'll he'll take plenty of beating, but no name, Matt's Crimson Advocate, all horses that should take plenty of money if they're ultimately headed there as well. Amidst waves, too, one I'll throw in there off that uh, trip last time I'm interested in. JK, how about you? Anything to add on the Juvenile Turf Sprint, or shall we move it forward? Yeah, I mean, let's not forget. I know they've had a couple of successes, but they don't usually they don't usually beat us at this game. Now, I know that they have. Uh, they did it at Keeneland. Actually, they did it at Keeneland with glass slippers, which is interesting. It was at Keeneland. Then they did it last year as well uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Juvenile Turf Sprint. But it's not something that I, I think you can lean on very much. That horse looked impressive, Big Evs. You know, he was a forward type of horse. But, yeah, I mean, I, I am a, a silently an amidst waves fan uh, for a various uh, array of reasons. And then don't forget, I, for, when it comes from a money standpoint, point crimson advocate is going to take some money as as a horse that won at Ascot. like i think that horse will probably still take a little bit of money uh because you'll get some european love for that horse based off of that race if i'm not mistaken the horse that they were in a photo with came back and won but we won't be rooting for crimson advocate for our friends at black type anymore it looks like there was a sale the owner on breeders cup website has been changed to wathanan racing who's the one of the the leading um, I think maybe even a, a, a leading person in Dubai, not Dubai, Qatar, who also won races at uh, at the Ascot meeting, if I, if I have all that information right. So um, that's very, a great very- sale. If, if that was if that's a great sale and many congratulations, because I don't know how much better it gets than uh, than her having just won that race. So. It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the juvenile turf sprint. Let's move on to the juvenile Phillies, boys. This is one where, once again, I think we're going to have some agreement. I'll let uh, J.K. go first. Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. I, I mean, I think Tamara is the one that, that will take a lot of money. And if I'm not mistaken, I think she might be the shortest price. Uh, that's that's more of a Nick Tamaro game, but it feels like she'll be the shortest price in the two days uh, that we're that we're out there in California. I think that's possible. It'd be interesting to see what happens with some of the Euros and other spots. Right now, in terms of anti-post, you do have uh, Goodnight Olive uh, listed as lower than Tamara. But yeah, I do think she looks about a four to five shot. Nick, what do you think of her chances? And give us your weigh in on that price question. Who's going to be the shortest of these favorites? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Philly and Mare Sprint could yield a shorter price with Goodnight Olive. Obviously, now with uh, with Echo Zulu not participating in any Breeders' Cup race, there's going to be a tremendous amount of support for Goodnight Olive, who's coming in off that good runner-up finish. Uh, Tamara is going to be, I think, when all is said and done, will be the shortest price, just because I fear this field won't get very big. Um, we only saw six in the juvenile fillies two years ago at Del Mar, and I don't know it, what what having a horse like Tamara in the juvenile fillies does is it really dissuades a lot of the Eastern-based horsemen from wanting to ship all the way out there. And, um, and horsemen nowadays run as infrequently as possible. So it fits with what they do 
um, perfectly. So yeah, I, I think she's going to end up probably, I, I, I'm not going to be surprised if she's odds on, to be honest, because we didn't really see anything in the Frisette or the Alcibiades that would really put much of a scare into her. And we saw a horse that she vanquished very easily come right back and win the chandelier. Uh, we are all in agreement, strong by, or at least by on Tamara. Let's talk about the juvenile Phillies turf and Nick, we're going to keep it with you for the juvenile Phillies turf. Cause I, I sense uh, from looking at our pre-show notes that you might have a stronger opinion than we do opera singer right now. The, the daughter of justify two to one in the international markets. What do you think of that price? Yeah, half to 2015 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner hit it a bomb. You know what I think is? I think our horses stink in this division. I think she's gonna. I think she's an absolute cinch. This is a real horse. I mean, this is a horse that won at Longchamp on on Arc Weekend, um, a Group One winner, and uh, Aiden O'Brien, just a horseman that is gonna identify which horses want firm turf. They're gonna get it at Santa Anita. You know, not to disparage the, the domestic lot that we have, but they're they're not much. And uh, and I'm I'm thinking that she'll be very very hard to beat. For me, it was a hold only because who else is going to come over, you know? And and just thinking two to one was maybe short enough at this stage. But you make a compelling case, and the, the hit at a bomb a pedigree note as well as justify pretty exciting prospect there in opera singer. Any thoughts on this one, J.K.? Uh, no, I mean not really. You know how I am when it comes to these European races. I like to kind of. I like to, to, to listen and digest and listen and digest and listen and digest. And once I get all warm and fuzzy by Friday morning is when I can kind of start to make some further decisions. I'm a speed figure guy. And without having multiple figures to look at for European horses, I have to get multiple opinions to kind of help me get to where I need to get. But I will say this. I agree with Nick. I mean, it just, uh, we don't have any killers over here. There's no, uh, there's no lady Eli. There's no newspaper of records. Uh, that's for certain. All right, let's pivot to the Juvenile, a race where we have not one, but two favorites right now in the form of Locked and Timberlake. I'm very agnostic about the, about this division, so I'm, I'm probably a double hold here at this point. Still just wanted to get my wits about me and, and really dive deeper into this race. I, I don't feel like either of those is, a, is, for me, I don't have a clear one price that I'd back either of those horses at or that I'd want to honestly be booking bets at. So let's bring it to the group who have more uh, opinions than I do on this one. And we'll go right back to you, Nick Tamro. Tell us about your feelings on Locked and Timberlake. Yeah, I mean, if given the choice between the two, I, I definitely prefer Timberlake. Um, I, I thought that his their respective final preps, uh, I thought Timberlake looked better. I, I know there was some some people remarked that Locked went wide, but how exactly do you think Locked is going to continue to make a living if he doesn't have wide trips, right? He's a, he's an off the pace horse. Um, I did think that Jose Ortiz rode him with a lot of confidence, which was a good sign to see, but based on the speed figures that they earned and the visual element to it, I thought Timberlake was just incredibly strong in the champagne. He moved exactly when Florent asked him to a, he, he was very, uh, very handy. And I I'm envisioning that he'll be, he'll be very, very tough in the juvenile. The uh, other thing I would, I would add into the element here is that at this point, isn't Prince of Monaco actually the, the morning line favorite for this race? I guess it's tough to say. Yeah. You would think, you know, I copied blindly from odds checker, but as I'm thinking about it, how is it not Prince of Monaco at, at a shorter price 
than either. And, of and, and in fairness, I mean, and they have City of Troy in there, which is is useless, but they do have blocked Timberlake, Muth, and uh, and Prince of Monaco at fives and sixes, respectively. So I mean, it's basically, and I think that's that's going to end up how the race gets bet. Really, is that those four horses are all going to go off within probably three or four clicks of one another. Um, it actually shapes up as a as a really compelling betting race because I mean, I don't even know if Prince of Monaco is the better Bob Baffert horse. I thought Muth's win in the American Pharaoh was very good. And, and obviously what we know is that the Prince of Monaco that won the, the uh, best pal and the Timberlake that won the champagne, the locked that was probably at his best in his maiden win. If all those horses and Moose American Pharaoh, if all those horses show up, this is a really good race. That's a great point. What do you think, JK? I'd love to hear your take on not just locked and Timberlake, but some of the others Nick mentions as well. Well, I mean, I think it's a little tricky, right? I, I think that, I think that there's, there's, you know, there's four horses, maybe three and a half that could really end up being favored, whether it be Timberlake locked or Prince of Monaco. I, I don't think locked will be favored, but everyone's going to get excited about that trip. They're, they're going to talk about it. You're going to hear about it. They're going to show it 87 times on whatever channel is that you watch. Um, I, I do think Timberlake probably has the most upside in terms of like, you're going to get a pretty, you're still going to get a, you're going to get a better price than what I think he could potentially do on the day. If that makes sense. Like he could run off the screen and want a one Oh four buyer, and in, in your, the price that you get on him, I don't think will reflect that, if that makes sense. Prince of Monaco, there's going to be a lot of question marks around him, but it's going to be a little bit of a Bob Baffert thing. And, 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 you know, and Bob, do you trust? So, I mean, they're all kind of selly feeling to me because I feel like they're all going to be a little bit overbet in a wide open field. I think you kind of want to, you know, if Locke creeps up to six to one, seven to one, eight to one, suddenly he makes sense. Prince of Monaco gets ignored or Timberlake or, uh, I think, or Muth or Muth even. So, um, I would pick Timberlake, though, at this point, based on what I think the prices will be. Sort of a soft buy for uh, for JK there on Timberlake. Um, Nick, a little bit interested. I'm, I'm just I'm throwing up my hands in that race for now. Part of doing this kind of analysis early, you're not looking to lock yourself into opinions that then you're going to have to get yourself off of lately. But it is fun to see where certain things jump out. And I was surprised to see in our pre-show notes, we were all – Somebody must have done some serious pissing in our Cheerios this morning, boys, because we're all taking the sort of cynical view in the dirt mile. I'll say as a fan, there's nothing more I want to see at the Breeders' Cup this year than Cody's wish getting the job done in the dirt mile. Seven to two, he's listed in the odds. And this is just one of those, you know, we refer in gambling a lot to, to our priors. My priors tell me, based on what we've seen from Cody's wish in the last two starts, that he's the kind of horse you're probably supposed to bet against. Doesn't mean you won't be cheering him back to the winner's circle if he uh, kicks sand in our face, stuffs us in a locker. But I'm I'm thinking this is an opportunity to hit with somebody else. Um, Nick, you're never one to shy away from saying things that are not going to be uh, uh, applauded in, in the court of optimist public opinion. What do you think about Cody's wish in the third mile? That's that's the kind way of referring to me as the turd in the punch bowl, right? But um, <laughs> you know, I, I look. I think there's two ways to approach this. Number one, I do think seven to two is pretty high on him. Now, I don't think ultimately his price will be anywhere near that. I think he'll be a significantly shorter price, especially given that the only other horses, at least on odds checker, that look like they're they're taking any respect are Lemon Pop and Practical Move. Practical Move will be a somewhat popular horse in this race, I think, when all is said and done. But it doesn't look as if there are a lot of other possibilities that are going to be running in here. So I still think Cody's Wish will end up a pretty short price favorite. 
I don't love him at a two-turn mile, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. It's not really his most ideal trip. He obviously has not looked quite as good in his last two starts as he did um, in the prior. But he's still clearly the horse to beat. He's just not a horse that I'm, I'm uh, making a, uh, taking a big stand on right now as far as, as wanting to, to get on board with. I, I think knowing the final field, getting a little sense of the pace scenario, you know, he seems vulnerable to me to a situation like what we saw in 2019 when Omaha Beach lost, when he got stuck behind a runaway leader. And if somebody in there has a lot of speed and wants to go out and do their thing, I can see them being very dangerous. We should mention this show not only popping up in the podcast feed, but also on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening, go over to YouTube. Give us your best buy, sell, or hold at this point of the day. Drop that one in the comments so we can uh, continue the conversation over there. JK, where are you with Cody's Wish? Yeah, I'm just, I know myself well enough to know that I need to police myself a little bit. Um, and so I'm telling myself sell right now, but that's because I know I can get a little enthusiastic, a little excited about a short price horse. And so I'm, I'm trying to keep myself under wraps here. Here's what I think. If Cody's wish runs his met mile to Nick's point, which was around one turn, but if he runs, if he has that performance, he's going to win for fun. But you have to ask yourself what happened in the Whitney and what happened uh, in the, what was that? The, uh, was that the Kel- was the Kelso Nick or the, Vosberg. Vosberg. If, if what happened there is if, – if what happened in those two races is who he is now, then he's got a chance of getting beat. And so I just want to keep my options open to evaluate that fully. But I will say this. I don't – I can tell you right now, I do believe that there is a possibility that he could find that Met Mile performance. I do think that there's some excuses in the Whitney for the two turns. And then in the Vosburg, just kind of just not having the greatest trip and the pace not being exactly what he needs and all those other situations. I think there's a world in which he can run that Met Mile. So I'm just I'm just trying to keep myself contained a little bit. It's like falling in love with the Fountain of Youth winner and then like trying to go bet a derby future. I'm trying to prevent myself from doing that. Next up, we have another short price favorite for you to weigh in on, J.K. That's Good Night Olive in the Philly and Mayor Sprint. Where do you stand with her at this point? Obviously, this race uh, lost some luster with the the, the sad news about uh, Echo Zulu getting hurt. Hopefully, the news, the tentatively, the news on her has been positive. There's been some good reports out of the stall. Hopefully, we're gonna have, that one's going to have a, a happy ending, though. It, the jury's still very much out as far as that goes. But now, Good Night Olive, big favorite, seven to five listed as for this race. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, these, these other horses just aren't as good as Goodnight Olive. Um, you know, Goodnight Olive kind of had a tricky year, right? I, I think she 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 didn't – I think most people would think she didn't have necessarily the year that many thought she would have. But I am confident in one thing, that in defeat, her best race that she ran all year and possibly the best race she ever ran was when she lost to Echo Zulu, considering the circumstances. I think she's sitting on a big race. I tend to agree. I mean, seven to five, that's probably short enough. I was loving her in this race with Echo Zulu in it and the idea that somebody else could do the the donkey work, as it were. But I'm still siding with her. She was one of my early opinions on the card, and I'm not changing that. Nick, can we make it a chorus on Goodnight Olive as a buy? No, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be the cold water on it. Um, I do agree with Jonathan completely. I think Goodnight Olive's best race – this year, unquestionably and likely in her entire career, was the, the the 
uh, effort and defeat in the ballerina. And I, and I would warn people that it is okay to think that a horse ran very well when they lost, you know, we're an overly results oriented world, but uh, she ran extremely well that day and quite honestly looked a lot better in there than she had in any of her three prior starts uh, in 2023, including that better roses where she was, uh, was really all out to get up over with halo and um, it didn't look really like herself. What I fear with good night olive and I'll remind everybody Steve Asmussen may not have Echo Zulu for this race, but Echo Zulu was likely going to the sprint. And that says a lot about society. I think he feels very, very strongly about society. She's been out there since he sent his, his uh, you know, plane load of horses in typical Asmussen fashion to get them ready. Um, I know society wrote a big bias at Ellis. She's really gone about this in, in the JV kind of way, going to Charlestown and, and kind of staying out of focus. But She's a very good horse that they seem to have perfected in terms of what she wants to do distance-wise and, and race flow-wise. And, I mean, I'll tack on top of that that uh, Chad Brown's six starters at Santa Anita in the last five years on dirt, 0 for 6, only two in the money, just a couple of Breeders' Cup starters along the way. So not, a, not exactly a huge sample size, but not a guy who's known for shipping his dirt horses around the country and doing all that great. So I'd be, a, I'd be kind of a sell at good, on Goodnight Olive at 7 to 5. I mean, she's probably more to me like a five to two or three to one shot. Okay, so so sort of a soft sell there. The juvenile turf is up next. This is a race where, as far as I'm concerned, knowing we're limited for time, we could almost just punt down the field because, while we do have the favorites on odds checker right now, Ghost Rider and Unquestionable in the six to one range, this is all going to be who shows up. I will say I was impressed by the form boost that uh, Carson's run got from um, – from the uh gosh what's the horse called prince cassie horse with prince in the name that ran off the screen at woodbine over the weekend my, my boy prince my boy prince i do think it's probably a euros race i just think it's too early to have any like totally intelligent conversation about this and 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 i'm happy to to, to kick it on down the road but obviously we'll bring you guys in if you have one you've got your eye on in here or a particular thought about ghostwriter on questionable nick we'll start with you yeah, I don't have much of a of a view at this point. Um, I I don't think that our uh, horses in this particular division are quite as as soft maybe as the Phillies. I also don't know if anybody as robust as a horse like Opera Singer is coming over. So yeah, a lot will uh, will be determined by what happens in, in terms of the field and and whatnot. Um, it looked to me like you know Ghost Rider looks solid enough. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have much of a much of a lean at this point and look forward to kind of seeing these fields come together. JK, you happy enough to move it along to the distaff? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with the pass for now. This is a funny one for me because I, 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 I did, I probably overthought this, right? Cause the distaff is a race right now where I, I really, really like Clarier. Um, and I, and I will be betting on Clarier probably by the time this, this video goes up, but I didn't want to list myself as a sell on idiomatic at five to two pretty much entirely because i have a feeling in the end i'm going to be saving with idiomatic as sort of the horse that i think will be the best speed and i know i'm going to have some idiomatic over clarier and maybe some some solid backups so i didn't want to be on the record saying sell even though i really like enough one this division so i'm sort of i'm going to technically be a defensive buy on idiomatic who i do think will be the best of speed but she's not going to be my top pick in the race nick how about you where are you with idiomatic you know, I I feel like I've liked idiomatic when you were supposed to, and this is a time where it's one of the few I've gotten right. 
um, this is a time where you're supposed to now take a more critical approach because I just don't think she's going to get the trip that she did and it has in her last two starts. I think they're going to make her work much, much harder early. And I'm not, not altogether certain she can't withstand that. But the problem right now is that what glitters with idiomatic is a type of trip that just isn't going to be available to her. She's not going to be isolated on the front end setting moderate fractions. So I think as the favorite, you're supposed to look for other options. I wish there were more, but at this point, I'd have to sell at that price. JK, how about you? Where are you with idiomatic? Yeah, I'm a sell. I'm just going to, you know, you had Brad Free on the other day kind of talking about just like handicapping basics. Like this pace has to be pretty quick, right? I mean, randomized is going to at least be forward. Um, Adair Manor is going to be forward. Idiomatic, you know, we know Brad Cox and Florent Giroux aren't going to grab a horse that has speed. Search results doesn't come from that far out of it. Uh, Nest, I think they're going to ride aggressively because, you know, taking her back in her last two starts hasn't worked. The pace has to be fast, right? Um, and if I'm going to look for a, a horse that, that can maybe sustain that, that, that fast pace, I'm going to look for a horse with a better price than what idiomatic will be. So uh, I'm going to sell. We're going to talk very quickly, very quickly about the Breeders' Cup mile where Paddington is listed as the favorite. Still a big question if Paddington will be turning up here. If he does, five to two. And if we knew he was coming, that, that, that might be a buy. But at this point, it's just a hold. Like with all these, so many of these turf races without knowing who's going to be showing up. It's just very hard to have much to say about it. We've only got about six or seven minutes left and a lot more races where I think we can, we can get into some more healthy debate. So uh, guys, unless you want to chime in a quick thought about the mile, I say, we, we say sort of hold too early and move on and anything quick on the, on the mile from either one of you guys. Uh, I will say this Paddington isn't even listed on the, on the breeders cup website. They're pretty on top of it when it comes to, to situations like that. You know, I don't know what that means, but I would I would say that it means means something worse than it means good. You know, in yeah, terms of him yeah. coming over, he's in the book. Every every betting place had him there, so that's why I listed it. But they could yeah. be wrong. Could be breaking yeah. news. We'll come back. We'll don't believe me. We're punting on the mile for today. We will not be punting on it for the Breeders' Cup season. You can find so much stuff for free in the moneypodcast.com on our airwaves on our YouTube channel. Keep abreast of all those things. And then if you want everything, our entire Breeders' Cup package, you can check that out in themoneypodcast.com slash plus. For now, let's move on to the sprint where we have elite power bidding to make it two in a row. And this is a good one where, judging on our uh, pre-show notes, we have we have a buy, we have a sell, and we have a hold. I'm the boring hold just thinking, you know, I'm on record elsewhere thinking elite power is going to going to get a good trip in here and, and be a horse that I want on side. But I wasn't overly thrilled at nine to four without knowing the total shape of the race. Nick, how do you see elite power at that price from this far out? Yeah, I'm not bowled over by him at two, two and a quarter to one. Um, I, Gennady going back to six furlongs, I think is interesting. Um, although I do, I do hope that they take full advantage of the pace edge that he has on, on a horse like elite power um, in order to try and beat him. But this division looks like it might be getting a little bit better as the season goes on. And, and so I'm intrigued by taking a shot with, with some other horses. Um, I don't necessarily want a horse with a deep closing style, like elite power at six furlongs at Santa Anita. Fair enough. JK, you take the other view here. What is it that makes you really excited about elite power in this spot? Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I think I'm falling in love with Elite Power. You know, we're, we're, it's been a few dates and, and things are going really well. Um, it's very nice to me. But I'm, I, I'm thinking about falling in love. And, and it's for a couple of reasons. One is I have a strong belief that his kick's going to be more intense going six 
And I think that his kick's going to be more effective with real pace to close into. I think that what we saw from him a lot over the summer was him overcoming or trying to overcome scenarios that weren't really ideal for him against a really good horse in Gunite. And, and, and one of the times he actually still overcame it anyways. I, I think that he's kind of elite, no pun intended, in this division with uh, with with some horses that I think will kind of set it up for him. So um, I'm definitely a buy at this point on elite, on elite power. We will speed round these next three turf races, but we each, I think, have something to say in, 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 along the way. So I'll just start with Living the Dream, who I was impressed um, – just with the fact that they, they got the local prep in, I think the horse has a chance to move up off of that. Went too far, did live, went too fast, did live in the dream last time. But I just think that having that experience, um, th- this horse is capable of running like a 107 buyer and having the local run and seeing six to one, that was enough to put me in the modest buy camp. You guys weren't as excited about the effort. Nick, we'll start with you. No, I thought it was good. I mean, I'm I'm concerned about what uh, living the dream will face pace wise in the actual turf sprint. So, I mean, that's really what I'm intrigued by seeing, uh, because obviously he's quick and, and can can certainly be involved right from the start. And um, and so yeah, I, I don't I don't have a a strong lean against there. I just I wouldn't be buying right now. I I was probably more of a hold than a sell on this. Uh, just waiting to see kind of how the field comes together. Gotcha. You you in a similar boat there, JK? Anything to add on living the dream? Uh, what did I what did I even put? Did I put sell? Yeah. Um. So for me, look, I, I think this is a this is a one of those races where this doesn't seem like the smartest of opinions, but it, I I feel very confidently that three horses, one of three horses, is going to win this race, and I think that's actually valuable when you're trying to play multi race bets or whatever it is you're trying to do. I think Caravel, Big Invasion, or Living the Dream are going to win. Uh, Caravel is either going to not be or not be a problem for living the dream from a pace standpoint. Caravel might love the firm. I love the five big invasion. I think is going to love the, the, the five with the cutback with speed, all these things. So in that situation, I can't take, if I think that one of those three has a really good shot of winning, it's not really a race in which I would be betting to win anyways, especially uh, on a horse like living the dream. Who's going to have, like Nick said, significantly more pace pressure than they had uh, at Keeneland. Real fast, we don't have time for this tangent, but uh, Caravel didn't exactly look like it was going to repeat in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. I didn't think off that effort in the Franklin on Sunday. Are, are you? How are you excusing that real quick, JK? Uh, I just feel like if I train Caravel and I'm not a horse trainer, I would say to myself, we've had a long break. She's a defending champion. We're going to get in no matter what. I'm not going to fully crank her for this Keeneland race so that she's then knocked out when I need her back in three weeks. I'm going to just kind of let her, let that be her final screw of tightening. And that's the way that I feel like Brad probably approached it. I I can't see Brad fully cranking her up to win the race at Keeneland when she's got a bigger dance to dance three weeks from now. It'll also be a lot drier, a lot more firm at Santa Anita. Billy and Mare Turf, co-favorites right now in the form of Warm Heart and in Spiral. For me, I'm just throwing up my hands and saying it's too early. Let's see who shows up. And Spiral could go in the mile. So much stuff could happen. Uh, The only one of us who seemed to have a strong-ish opinion on this race was Nick, who's pro in Spiral for the Philly and Mare Turf. Tell us about that opinion, Nick. Hey, in Gosden, I trust, right? If he wants to go to 10 furlongs for a horse that's only miled her entire career, then he obviously knows something. And uh, we've seen the, the European trainers and, and horses dominate this race over time. Uh, Warm Heart is obviously going to be a really strong competitor. If uh, if she goes there, it'll kind of be funny in terms of the collision 
of a horse cutting back in distance versus one stretching out. Um, Warm Heart is very, very good. Don't get me wrong and probably will appreciate the firm turf as well. This is quietly shaping up as one of the more interesting races of the weekend because our contingent is not that bad. It's not that great. But, I mean, now if we can sort of adopt Maj, um, having run once in America, then we've got a few better horses than uh, than, than we might uh, have thought, you know, a couple of months ago. It is a cool race for sure. Let's talk very quickly about the turf. August Rodin, three to one favorite. We all listed hold. Who knows who's going to show up? Be amazing to see this talented runner. Doesn't run his race every time. Doesn't exactly always bring his track with him. But boy, on his best race, he'd be awfully dangerous. Any quick thoughts, JK, either looking back to the Philly and Mare turf where I skipped you or on the turf where I know you're an up to the mark fan. Yeah, no, they're both holds for me because I really do like a couple of American runners, you know, so I got to see what happens in those situations. I like in Italian and the Philly and Mare turf. I think that the the added distance, the firm grounds, and I really kind of help her out quite a bit. looks a little bit like day at the spa to me, uh, but a, a more talented and, and probably better version. And then in, as, as far as the turf is concerned, yeah, I mean, it's a hold for me as well. I'm not going to try to beat, uh, you know, the, the Euros that come over here, but I definitely will be using up to the mark. It's, uh, I think it's bad news for in Italian if Marge goes here. I think Marge will not challenge for the lead, but I think she's gonna make she's gonna make it very hard on the in Italian case. If 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 Marge goes in the mile, which is still a possibility, I start to like your in Italian case a lot better. Let's talk about the classic. We just got a couple of minutes left, guys, but this is a good one to discuss because we've got one of each perspective here. Archangelo, you have the, the least strong opinion, JK, of the three of us. So we'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the three-year-olds in here. I, we'll have to see how Archangelo's training. I didn't like the way he trained when he first got there, but apparently he's improved since then. I'll let the kind of clockers let me know how he's developing along. I want to know what's going on with Arabian Night. I want to know what's going on with Go Rocket Ride. I'm still in the three-year-old camp, but since I can't nail one of them down, there's no way I can buy Archangelo at this, at this, at this, uh, at this price. And we're already head-to-head on that opinion about the three-year-olds in this race. You're pro. I'm not exactly, like, wildly anti, but I think there's feels like some of these older horses are a little bit underrated at this point, the White of Barrios, the, uh, the Zandans. And I just felt like, as much as I like Archangelo, another one, I'd be clapping back to the winner's circle. I wouldn't rule out having on some tickets because I like them as a horse so much, again, pending other info, but... I just felt like seven to two was short enough in a race where there's going to be more appealing options for me. So I'm selling for now at that price with the idea that, you know, this might be one I find a way to keep on side. Nick, you're pro Archangelo in here. I've been an Archangelo guy since day one, so I can't give up now. Um, I think he's been kind of the unheralded horse in this division um, and now in the handicap division all season. So I'm looking forward to seeing him get an opportunity to really put his name in lights again. And, um, and and I will admit that I'm probably a little bit more of a fan than I am a backer at this point from a betting perspective. I guess he'll go favored in this race. Um, it can't be much lower than the five to two or three to one range, especially if we get Go Rocket Ride, Arabian Night, White Barrio, all those horses in the gate. Um, there's going to be some Japanese horses in there that'll take some money as well. Some that are more popular than others, including Derma Sotagake. So it, it shapes up as a really interesting race, and I hope that that Archangelo comes into it. 100% because uh, he's a horse that's always trained well in his career, and that's really tipped off uh, how well he's run on a number of occasions. 
He has been a horse who's known to tout himself. Pay attention. We'll be uh, having info about that. Going to have Vanessa Ryle out there with me in the morning's Breeders' Cup week. We'll be giving our daily recaps of everything we see. You can follow that with the Breeders' Cup content team. Breeders' Cup content team cracking out some great stuff. Really enjoyed the video they did on Ushba Tesoro. Speaking of Japanese contenders. Well, boys, that's going to be it for this segment. Really appreciate your time today. There'll be many more of these to come. Uh, and reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment. Let us know who you think right now is the buy, sell, or hold of the meeting at this year's Breeders' Cup. JK and Nick, thank you guys so much. And thank, thank you, you also. Cheers, my brother. And thanks also to producer AJ for coming through in the clutch and uh, throwing these cool graphics together. Always a pleasure working with him. If you're watching on YouTube, just let the next video scroll. If it's not ours, skip it. If it's ours, keep watching. And uh, if you're listening, we'll be back right after this. Now we'll take a minute to talk about our Adelphi Racing Horse of the Week. We're going with Pandagate this week. This was an impressive debut winner the other day at uh, Belmont at Aqueduct, a horse that I think could be uh, really, really good going forward. Showed a lot of talent in this run and very, very excited to see what uh, Pandagate can do going forward. We'll have to have uh, Matt Kater on himself soon to talk about uh, to talk about this one and get a little bit more of the, the, the origin story, but winning that uh, New York Red Maiden special weight on uh, on the dirt going a mile by nine definitely has the makings of a serious horse. And that's why Panda Gate is our Adelphi Racing Horse of the Week. Last but certainly not least on the show, we bring in a returning guest. She's here to talk about the hay drive going on to benefit the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Also, we're going to reverse roles a little bit. I promise we're going to talk a little bit more about my recent visit to the Wallkill Correctional Facility. Maybe she can pepper me with a couple of questions about that. She is the first lady of the In the Money Players podcast. She is Kim Weir. Kim, what's up? Hey there, Pete. Happy fall, y'all. It's beautiful up here in Saratoga. <laughs> Glad to be with you. Busy, busy times up there. You got the sale going on right now, right? It, it sure is. They're right up the street. You know, we're just two, like two, two or three blocks from Basic Tipton at our offices. And I was up there yesterday having coffee. And it's what my description of the sales. It's kind of like um, it's like the whole gang from the paddock reconvenes. But we're all wearing barn jackets and jeans. Like instead of the paddock uh, attire, we're wearing barn jackets and jeans. And it's just so fun. It's kind of like old home week. Um, but it is very quiet and it is very pretty. There are pumpkins everywhere. There are mums and it's just gorgeous. And the baby horses, so many weanlings yesterday morning. Oh my gosh, they're so darn cute. And it's a lot of weanlings in the sale. So that's what I was doing yesterday morning. I got to uh, I got to get up there for the, for that sale. I've never actually been to it. I think I'm going to be in town next week for a quick cameo. That reminds me. I've got to reach back Good. out to this guy and I have paint the house. Yeah, I wanted yep. to just sort of be there when he when he was started. I won't be able to be there for the whole thing, but it'll be good to get a chance hopefully to meet up you in town next week. I am. We have a big week next week, and we are doing our last coffee and horses on the Oklahoma on Wednesday morning. If that happens to be part of your journey, I think that might work out perfectly. Actually, oh, <laughs> about that, if there's anybody up in the area who's who would be interested Please. in getting for this Brand time, maybe, maybe. get Matt to come. Anyone who's around, please have him come to just bundle up and bring the coffee, and we'll be at our regular spot on the Oklahoma watching the last few horses go by. Awesome. Awesome. So it's not a thing that you register for, you just kind of turn up. 
Yeah, just turn up and people just need to know the address, which I will not say on air because it's my friend's house. So they have to contact you or me and I'll tell you the address. <laughs> so just contact us. We'll send you if there's a specific donation you ask for or you just figure people will give generously and you're just more looking to spread awareness kind of thing. This is, yeah, this is more gather the herd because we love you and we want to be together and um, fundraising comes later. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk off air. We'll do the production meeting outside the show about uh, all the various fun things we can uh, we can get into while while I'm up there. Yeah, I'm going to come up on the 24th, I think. So it, Good. I think that timing is going to work out beautifully. But you're really here. Number one thing you're here about is to talk about the hay drive. I've been spitballing about it in my closes, and I believe we've had some listeners reaching out to take advantage. But let's start with the basics. What is the hay drive? Yes, thank you, Pete. Well, the Hay Drive is the single largest um, fundraising target that we have for the TRF's uh, fiscal year uh, in fundraising, and that is because the hay is the single largest expense item on our budget. And it's one of the things I most love about this job. After having done a lot of professional services kind of gigs where you were always talking about like these fungible things that had costs, well, you know what does have a very concrete cost? Hey, <laughs> um, so this is the time of year where as, as the fall is upon us and the horses are munching away on the fields right up until the first frost comes, um, soon enough, they will be switching gears and they will begin munching away on hay. Fun fact that I just Googled a couple weeks ago to, to verify it um, is that a horse who's living out in the pasture which is how all of our horses live, as you as you know. Um, yeah. They are they are on average munching, meaning eating, chewing on something for fourteen to twenty hours a day in order to stay healthy, happy, and warm, and everything functioning. So that's a lot of their day. <laughs> it's a lot of anyone's day. Um, and actually, that just means it's a lot of hay. So when it comes to the fundraising, we we have a target um, that we're trying to raise here in, in sort of relatively short order over the month of October and, and kind of up till Thanksgiving is our goal. Uh, we're trying to raise $60,000, $60,000, because every single one of those dollars will be matched, which is always a really powerful um, incentive, by a very generous grant by the Santuli Family Foundation. And so they're giving us a dollar for dollar match for every dollar that comes in for the hay drive. So we can hit $120,000. And that really, really makes you know a huge dent, if, if not just covering our hay costs um, for our whole herd. So we are in it. And I am grateful for you including it in all of your show closing. It's, it's fun to do because it's very concrete. And um, I can talk more about that. But that's what we're doing at this time of year. Is there a special link to take advantage of the matching offer or basically any funds donated during this time will uh, will, will be allocated to the matching plan? You know, if you know, you can go you can go through the ITM uh, link for sure. Um, if that's what you're what you're used to, the uh, trfinc.org slash players. But just put Hey Drive in the comments. That's totally a fine way to do it. Um, but the fun thing we have to offer, which I, I rolled out for our friend Steve Bick last week, is that we actually have a very cool text to give option. For those who are listening to the pod while driving or doing something else, they can just text. And here's how it goes. You text 801-801 and the word hay drive. Um, and that will actually get you rolling. So that's that's something Steve Bick has been asking me to do that since I first met Steve Bick. And I delivered it to him like a dog with a bone <laughs> to my master on last Wednesday. And I'm so satisfied about it. So um there we go. 801-801-HEY-DRIVE, all one word, and that will get you going. And the, the fun thing is that like you can do stuff like pay $10 for every bet you place because $10 buys a hay bale. So you could do like a bale by bale 
thing. Of course, I know with the credit card fees, you probably don't want to do that. But nonetheless, it's it, any little bit, $10 is a great increment because it's a bale of hay and that will keep a horse going yeah. for like a day. Um, no, that's a good way of a good way of thinking about it. And it is nice to have something so quantifiable in this world to, to latch onto. And I'm sure there are listeners who want who are going to take advantage of that and also people who want to take advantage of the fact that, you know, that your dollar is worth more than a dollar. What horse player is very conscious of that concept. And when it comes <laughs> yes. to the matching grant, yeah, we get to put that we get to put that into action. So good. I wanted to have you on to to talk about that for sure. And yeah, I did want an opportunity just to follow up a little bit about the wall kill visit with you as well, unless there's anything else people definitely need to know on the hay drive front. Nope, nope, that is it. But there you, you know, you saw them eating, that's for sure. So we'll do that as our segue. And soon enough, there'll be pictures of the horses eating the hay at wall kill. I'll be down there for my next and probably last visit of the, before winter arrives on um, November 16th and 17th. And by then they will definitely be not doing what you saw them do. They will be eating out of the big hay. Um, we'd use round bales at wall kill and they'll all be have moved over to the round bales by then. So the reason, so let's get, let's get to wall kill. I'm going to do some questions of you, my yeah, friend. Yeah, give me, give me. yeah I, I loved, I loved the experience. I didn't monologue too much about it. I figured you, it would be more fun to wait to have an opportunity where you yeah. and I can do a little bit of a back and forth. So well, yeah. First we're... I need to say thank you. I always want to say thank you for everything you do for us, but also for just like taking the time to, to go. It, it, you know, I know you're with me in spirit and you, I know you're on board and drinking the Kool-Aid, but it's still, it means so much to me that you were able to find that day and to come with me and to join in it. Cause then, you know, it seeing it just, even though you've already seen Blackburn and I'm going to, I just don't want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The time that you spent and our other guests spent is like the most precious thing you could honestly give me. So thank you. And my question for you, my friend, my first question for you is how, you know, how did it compare to what you thought it would look like? And was that because you thought it would look like Blackburn or do you have some other image in your brain of what it was going to look like? Tell me what you thought compared to what you thought you'd think. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, the mental image I had in my head was of Blackburn, which yeah. very much looks like, you know, more like, I suppose Blackburn looks more like a farm and, uh, but Wallkill really, there's no mistake in where you are. There's, you know, there's the beautiful building. There's actually a beautiful, the building itself is a nice building, but yeah. you know, right away you're covered in uh, you know giant fence with barbed wire on the top. And the process we had to go through to sign in, what must be what, people have to do getting checked in. Like there was something a little, some things that were a little, I don't want to say intimidating, but for lack of a better word, I'll make up an action, an adjective, prisony. Prisony is yeah. the adjective I'll be making up between the sign-in thing and getting the ride to the farm in the van that you couldn't open the door from the inside. You kind of got the idea why that was there. So yeah. like it was yeah. definitely more, more of like what you would, or what I going in would have expected like a proper correctional facility yeah. To, to, to be like. And I don't know if that's down to the security level of the prison or just the, just the geography, but uh, yeah, it was, it, it definitely seemed like, but again, sort of for lack of a better word, like a harder place than yeah. Blackburn was. Does that match most people's experience? Yeah, it is, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, they're just, you know, razor wire d d gives one pause and there's a lot of it at wall kill. Um, to be clear, it's not around our horses for those listening at home. Like the horses are. Oh, no, this is just the building with a man on. Yeah, like it, and the building is just so fascinating, you know, built in 1932. It's one of the oldest prisons in all of New York and New York has some very old prisons. Um, so I you remember what I my description of it for, for those listening at home or it's like Hogwarts wrapped in razor wire. Um, I almost stole the line, but I figured I'd let you do it because it's so mm -hmm. perfect. 
Yeah, it's just because it, it's just such an interesting and it was really built on a boarding school kind of model because Wall Kill has always had programs, you know, really very progressive types of programs, all starting from Eleanor Roosevelt, who was very involved in prisons in the 30s. So, yes, I think that that impression is not uh, not surprising. And it does absolutely you're absolutely right. It does align directly with the level of security of the prison. So while you've been to Blackburn and some of our listeners have been with me and you to Blackburn, that is our lowest level security prison, although we have several at that level. Um, Black, that's 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 what Blackburn is. And so Wallkill is actually medium and it's also called a medium A, which is on the relative scale, like closer to high than. Right. So it's pretty it's pretty intense. So that's a that's a great answer to my question that it was definitely more prisony. I think that when you go through that little man trap where you're locked in for a brief second, you know, that's something that, you know, reminds you that we are not going to a place where people have options. They're not there of their own volition. So um, now the farm itself. So ask, tell me about the the experience of seeing where our horses live, which is very different oh, than their razor wire. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I mean, that was bucolic and beautiful. Now, granted, it was a chamber of commerce one of the test ben, uh, 10 day. best days of the year that we were out there, which certainly helped it. But I, I think on any day, it was gorgeous property. And you could see how, you know, it would be good for the soul uh, rather yeah. than being in the in that in that building, uh, nice as it might look from the outside, for the opportunity to, to get outside. And I was really curious from the beginning to see, like, well, what what differences are there going to be? Like, is this, you know, this message that I saw be so effective at Blackburn, knowing that these were going to be guys, you know, guys from the city, yeah. who, you know, was it going to be as was it going to be as effective um, with people, you know, who maybe grew up in that urban environment? And and I was kind of blown away to see the exact same types of reactions and, and transformation, and in, in in some ways maybe even more so, just because there were so many benefits of the program. I think, and I, you know, not the least of which was to give just a chance to be in this beautiful place, the farm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you said it. That's perfect. It is. It's it's just uncanny. And that's why I'm so grateful again that you went because I have, I feel like I'm the luckiest person on earth and like a whole bunch of reasons and I won't go too off the deep end. But one of them is that I get to go have that experience like on the regular. And it is why I'm the crazy lunatic woman I am is that every time I go, I am presented with hope in real form. Those men telling me that their lives are profoundly different because they got to go to a horse farm, you know, it, it makes me, me. And I'm grateful for that, but I'm so glad to have you have that experience of like, you're in Blackburn and they said this, they say it with a, you know, country accent and or Kentucky accent and Blackburn. And then you, the same guys looked very different and they, didn't they seem to all be from Brooklyn? Is there anything I should read in that Pete? <laughs> there were a guys. There were a couple of Queens guys, but yeah, it was okay. mostly guys and they sound, they sounded like it. It's, you know, it's uh there's a lot of, uh, you know how it is with, with, with this stuff. There's, there's a lot of like socioeconomic factors that are going to make, yeah. that are going to make uh, certain places and certain areas more, more prone, I guess, to having to, to, uh, to get into paths and trouble. Uh, yeah. Th- th- I, I really loved having you. I don't I always have a lot of Brooklyn guests. And I think that it was just fun to have you guys kind of connect. Like, hey. Instant bonding, instant bonding, talking about the, talking about the different neighborhoods and, and getting to just see how real the, 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 the transformation was and getting to talk to them and yeah, hearing these guys that, you know, you could picture uh, how they got into some difficult circumstances early, early in life, given some of the, some of the background stuff we were hearing and then having the opportunity to see this 
whole different world and in some cases want to devote their lives to it. I mean, I'll tell you what, both experiences I had at the prisons, the biggest thing I'd say, Kim, that I came away with was leaving there made me just want to do more to help in both instances because you it just you get this sense and i said this after blackburn so this is it's a repeat idea but i think it's worth repeating that you know correction system is sort of famously or infamously something that's very hard to make you know meaningful change in people's lives there's a lot of recidivism and this there really does seem to be some some magic to it and it really seems to have the power to, to change people's lives in a way that I just found incredibly moving both times. I mean, I think we all got a little bit of choked up hearing, uh, you know, one story in particular. We'll have to I won't spoil it. We'll get it. We'll get him to tell it on the on the air one of these days if we can. But that would be awesome. those those very meaningful interactions. And while this word wasn't used on this trip, the sense that for some of these guys, they real the thing more than anything else. It feels like the thing they were able to sort of learn in the program, learn from taking care of these beautiful animals was empathy. You know, yeah. like real yes. love and empathy that you know is is can be in in, in short supply in a lot of uh, upbringing circumstances. And to be able to provide that for somebody at a point in life where usually, if you haven't had that by a certain point in your life, a lot of times there ain't a lot you can do to get it. And this yeah. is an exception to that. And and I one of the reasons why I think it's so special. Well, I'm so, so glad you were with me. It was really a great day and the guys just loved having you there. And a um, couple little extra points of, we want to make sure that our dear, uh, that our dear friend, and I won't say his name, but I'll just say that our friend who we know made those waters possible, that yes. you trust have told him that you saw them. And we expect that I'll have more pictures of those by November, but these are the kind of things where folks have decided to follow your advice um, and not just take my word for it, but to follow your advice that to do more and that it can meaningfully change things out there. So we, there were examples of both of a run-in shed. Um, actually, if, if you don't mind, I would love you to say in a word or two about the fencing project that you saw underway so that I'm not just saying it. Did you notice anything about the fences, Mr. Fornatel? <laughs> um, because it's a big project that we're working on out there. I mean, it just seemed incredible the amount of progress they were making given the amount of time it had been going on. I was really surprised. I was really yep. surprised at just the the like efficiency given, you know, it's not like they get to just go there and, and work an eight hour day either. No. But, uh, no, the fencing looked, I mean, it, you know, some air, some elements of the farm uh, are, I don't want to say rundown is too strong, but like yeah. very lived in, et cetera. And the, the, the fencing looked like something you'd see around a Kentucky horse farm. I mean, it was, it was yeah. impressive. Yeah, no, it is. It's 40 years old, right? So rundown is okay, because most things that are 40 years old, I mean, some of that fencing is. So the fact that we are working, those guys are working, we are doing nothing but talk about it, but working so hard to get all the new fencing in, because we are going to be celebrating the 40th anniversary there of that farm next year. Like we have a vision that an event you and I will be talking about is literally inviting, not just my special VIPs that I can find a way to get there, but like we should be able to bring a lot of people to Wallkill next fall. I would imagine it'll be about this time next year. Um, to celebrate four decades. And so we are working really hard, just like everyone who has a house that they're trying to get ready for a party. <laughs> We're putting in all this new fencing and a lot of our donors who are listening and a lot of those who may not ever hear this have contributed to the posts that you saw on the ground and are buying things like the gator. I think we're, the, the gator that was requested that same trip um, has now been acquired and will be delivered in November. So people who care about this, and I will not go too long, but like people who care about what what we're talking about and care about a the horses and be the men or maybe a the men and be the horses whichever way it is 
there are things that we can immediately do to make it um, continue and to go well and to be successful. So there's every and everything from a hay bale to a gator to a fence to a waterer to a run and shed. I mean, whatever whatever experience you're having with your handicapping, um, there is a um, a thing we can use those dollars for. So thank you for letting me make that complete full tilt ask of your audience. I love, <laughs> I love getting out in the field with the horses too for a while. Well, that was that was fun. That was, I took pictures with my brain. I'm just that was the one moment where I wish I'd had my camera. I mean, I wish I because there you were. I'm going to tell everyone listening that there was our friend PTF. In, in all of his um, Brooklyn finery, he had on the fedora, he looked the part and he was walking through the pastures surrounded by retired resources um, in order to go see his his um, special horse, Corinthians Joy. And that is another thing that people can do is to sponsor a horse, just like Miss Perrin has had sponsored for her. Um, so I love seeing you and I will always keep that image in my brain. We might have to reenact it so I can get pictures next time. They were so friendly, you know. They, they, you know, they, they, they all wanted those peppermints, but we, we, we behaved. I was never too, you know. I like being around. I'm no horseman by any stretch, but I like being around them. I'm not like a, if you were a horse scared person though. When the when the when they were coming at me yes. from four angles, you might have. I was like a little. Yeah, you kept. Like, hey. you, were, you were. You did really well, Pete. Yeah, because everyone that's will get, everyone will get their mint, but one at a time, please. One at a time. <laughs> they weren't really buying my logic, but I'm well known for trying to reason with animals in my life. Rarely, it rarely goes as well as that. But you know, that, that part of the experience was great too. And yeah, we've had such fun with, with Corinthians Joy and being able to get sent pictures. And Perrin, not thrilled about the prison policy of not allowing minors, but it's just probably a sensible one. So yeah. yes, we're one day, that. one day she'll get to, uh, she'll get to go, to, she'll get to go check it out. It, it, it was great. And I encourage people to do it, uh, to, to, to do a VIP visit if you can. I know you've had some others go um, subsequently. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention that I haven't told anybody that I thought was cool was I, the guys like were so interested in racing history. Yes. Um, Sharon Dominguez brought some racing show and tell that included the affirmed silk. So I started, I did a little spiel about racing in the seventies and talking about the triple crown winners and secretariat in particular seemed to be a favorite. I, I, oh, I think yeah, they are like, them, yeah, they knew very, from the film. Yeah. They watch the movie like, like every week they are really, they can memorize <laughs> they have all the lines memorized of secretariat. So um, that's awesome. I think I teed you up. We're chatting, you know, on text is that um, the next, perhaps the next guest, since I'm totally overstaying my welcome today, is that you should get our friend Richie Migliori to come tell you about his, his recent, because he just went to me last Tuesday and was just, you know, riveting as he always is. And the guys, um, the guys loved him as they loved you and they loved Sharon. And yes, you know, it's really, it's so fun to see their eyes light up when they realize um, that, that we've experienced these horses in their glory and, and they never have, they, they've only seen them in the movies do the things that we've seen them do. Right. So it just was so wonderful. It was great, but ask Richie all about it. Get him to come on. Any excuse, any excuse to have him on. It's been too long since we've had him on. He's such a great guest, such a thoughtful man, such a warm energy. I'll tell you what I'm right here right now. I might start a, the Richard Migliori for president. Um, yes. Well, I think, I, I think I'd be a little, a little more pleased. A little more pleased than current choices if we can get if we can get Richie on the back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, he's awesome. 
Kim, what's what's coming up next? I mean, we've we've talked about a ton of stuff already, but I know this 40th anniversary celebration is going to be continuing. Where uh, it is, it yeah. is. Um, I will tell you that for me, um, my sort of uh, finale finale of the year uh, is while on a, a weekend that many other people are having another kind of finale of the year. I'm actually going out west um, for the first weekend in November, but I'm not going to be down south with you guys. I'm um, happily participating in a beautiful event being hosted for us, which is something people can do. Just putting it out there. This is being hosted up in Carmel, California. Um, and our farm manager, our second chances farm manager from the prison in California will be with me as my guest, along with one of our graduates from the program, a great guy named James Anderson, who um, has finished our program in California, is now got his, his license as a farrier and is working as a farrier, having graduated from our second chances program. So those great. guys are my special guests at a party that will be hosted on the night before Breeders' Cup. So twas the night before Breeders' Cup, while ever you're handicapping your little eyeballs out, I will be um, lifting a cocktail in Carmel. So it's, it's sometimes it's really hard to be me. <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad. Now, are you going to, does that mean you'll have to miss the cup itself or are you going to uh, attempt to come down the day, the day of? No, I, I, that had originally been like in the, in the world of possible, but I don't know that it's really in the world of needful. I don't know that I, you know, I'll be cheering for you. Actually, I think I'm going to be watching all the races from with a friend in San Fran, who's just cool. coming back from around the world trip. He's a friend you're going to meet next summer here in Saratoga, awesome. but he's a huge horse racing fan and he and I are going to watch the races. So we'll be, we'll be following along um, with, for all of our favorites, but we'll be doing it from just up the coast from you. Excellent. Well, that's that's very cool. Is that an event that people out there can attend or is that more of a private event? No, I'd say I'd encourage folks to look on our website. It's on the website as a donor hosted event. So it's invite only. If you happen to be in Carmel and you think this is something you can attend, please reach out to me because um, we've invited all of our donors from the Northern California area. Um, I just haven't been pushing it because I know most people that I'd like to have attend. (laughs) Yes. But reach out if you happen to be in Carmel or San Fran and you are available in the second, please do let me know because we we would love to have you and it will be a very, it won't so much be a fundraiser as it will be a, um, uh, I'm calling it an evening of inspiration and cocktails. So sounds pretty fun. My kind of party. Drfinc.org slash players. That's our link where we encourage you to give generously mention the Hay Drive Take advantage of that two-to-one bonus. I'll make sure, Kim, that the people who've donated from on our page in the last few weeks are probably looking to take advantage of that. We'll make sure that gets lined up so uh, the maximum amount of money gets raised. And then just the TRF website in general. Check out the events tab. See what's going on. Uh, Kim and the team doing an amazing job helping humans, helping horses through the Second Chances program and so much more. Kim, we'll have you back real soon. Uh, we'll miss you at Breeders' Cup, but I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week, my friend. Thank you, Pete. Thrilled to continue our partnership with Woodbine for the 2023 season. Live racing continues throughout 2023 with a 4.50 Eastern post time on Thursdays and 1.10 Eastern Friday through Sunday. Stakes action this weekend, the Grade 3 Ontario Derby for three-year-olds on the synthetic on Saturday and two more stakes Sunday, the Overskate and the Eternal Search, both for Canadian breads. Don't miss out on the action. Learn more at woodbine.com. Quick reminder that we've got another Horse Player Happy Hour qualifier this Thursday. Go to horseplayers.com, sign up and play. The house cut goes to charity. You win your Breeders' Cup betting challenge seat if you are the top finisher. We're also going to be having our playoffs continue. 20 go down to 10. We'll be covering it live 4 to 5 on Breeders' Cup social media, 
on In The Money social media. Both of our YouTube channels will be covering it. Join us, ask questions. We'll do a little uh, BC back and forth, hoping to have some special guests on board as well. Sign up and play at horseplayers.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'd like to thank all of today's guests, our founding partners. You already heard all about the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. We were also helped right at the beginning and still are today by our friends at 10 Strike Racing. That's why we always root for the purple and black around here. Thanks most of all to all of you out there for listening. You make these shows so much fun to do. We appreciate all the feedback, whether it's on our standard content on inthemoneypodcast.com, the stuff on our plus service. It's just always good to hear that you're digging what we're doing and take suggestions or answer questions or whatever it may be. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. Hello and well, <laughs> I can't speak. We'll we'll cut that part out, AJ. Mm.